In a world where trust is shattered and darkness looms, one man's journey from betrayal to redemption will captivate your heart. Absolutely. Even if Absolutely. you don't take them. If you have a relative that is a Christian, yes. allow them to take the kids. I like that. Because yeah. it's like, you, you may not want Jesus, but... Thrown into a detention center, he grappled with the harsh reality of being imprisoned mentally and physically. At that moment, I told myself, I'm not going behind bars no more. Betrayed and deceived by the one he trusted most. So now we're about to enter into this part of your life where you're cheated on. It was rough for me. Bought teddy bears for her, flowers. And my heart just got squeezed and beat upon and crushed and stuck. In the depths of his despair, he questioned God's plan. I said, I said, you don't know what just happened to me, Meg. But amidst the darkness, a glimmer of hope emerged. He found solace in the teachings of a higher power. And in that moment, he discovered a new purpose. Out with the old. In with the new. In with the new. The Holy Spirit came inside of me. From being lost to salvation, this is the story of Nick. Coming soon, this summer on July 1st on YouTube and all podcast platforms. Welcome to the Call by God podcast with Adney Godet and myself, Nixon Sylvain. This show is about dialogues of biblical characters and testimonies of Christians who submitted to the will of God. Each week, we'll bring on one guest so that they can share their story of how they were called by God. I hope this show inspires you. Enjoy. Uh, hello and welcome, world. I'm yours truly, Nixon Sylvain, and I'm here with Sister Adney Godin. Sister Godin, I'm excited. I'm excited. How are you doing? I am wonderful. I am excited as well. I love talking about our Lord and Savior. So that that's definitely one of the things that I, I get the opportunity to relish in is, is to boast and brag on, on Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the lover of our souls, um, our Redeemer, our Savior. So, yeah, I'm excited as well for this discussion that we're about to have. How are you doing, Brother Nick? I'm 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 hanging in there as you know I'm I hurt myself I injured myself so now <laughs> hundreds of people millions of people throughout the world know but I'm hanging in there by the grace of God God is good but like you said um it's always a, a humble it's always humbling you know when when you when God give you the opportunity to talk about him so I didn't say this but we're going to have a series this is the time of the year again where we're going to have a series where we're going to talk about our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to have a four-part series. Um, and I'm just sharing this with the world, Adney. I, I know you you came out and you said we're going to talk about Jesus, but I just want to let the world know that we're, we're going to have a four-part series um, of Jesus. So the first episode will be Jesus and his prophecy. The second episode will be uh, when Jesus Christ was born up until he was 12 years old. Uh, the third episode will be Jesus' ministry. And the fourth episode will be talking about the plot when Jesus Christ was crucified, when he died, when he was buried. I said buried, buried, <laughs> and when he was resurrected. So I'm excited about that, Adney. Um, it's, it's humbling. And we have a special guest uh, on this podcast, uh, in, in brother Ray. So we're excited to delve in and talk about our master. It's always humbling to talk about our Lord and savior because, um, we are people who are undone. Like we need him. We need him more than we ever could ever think or imagine. So, so it's very humbling to talk about him. Hey Ray, how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm I'm sleepy. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> well, you look sleepy. <laughs> Other than that, brother Ray, how the family doing? Not bad. You know, we're just taking it in stride, man. All we can do is take it one day at a time. But all right, let's go ahead and get started. I'm excited to talk about Jesus, Jesus, and a, and a prophecy. So I want to say this, um, 
you know, in Genesis 1, 1, because, you know, when we talk about Jesus, you know, we got to paint a picture before we actually talk about Jesus. We got like, okay, why, why is this, why is this individual so significant? Like, why? What happened? <laughs> What's wrong with humanity? Uh, we, we have a, we have a lot of issues. <laughs> we have a lot of issues. So in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we know God. So when we say God, we're talking about God, the creator. God created the sun, the moon, the stars, the creatures in the sea, the birds, the land. And lastly, God created man. So God created man and God gave man responsibility. Uh, he told God, told Adam, first man, Adam, to dress and keep the, the garden, dress it and keep it, right? Cultivate, work. Uh, just Genesis 2, 2 uh, 15. And God gave man dominion. And over all of the creation, so that's in Genesis one twenty six. Um, actually, yeah, Genesis one twenty six and twenty eight, when God says uh, He created um, man is in, in His own image. Um, so that's important as well. And also, this is this is why Jesus, um, I believe, had to come to fruition because this is where we all mess up. God gave us free will, so God didn't want to create us like robots. Like I tell. You know, I have conversations like this with my friends all the time. You know, God is so loving that he don't want to force us to love him or we're not pre-programmed. Like we're not a computer chip <laughs> to, to, to worship God. So God gave man this free will. And so when he told Adam, he gave Adam instructions of what he needed to do. So what Adam did our adversary, of course, deceived Eve and Eve deceived um, Adam. And as a result, um, humanity disobeyed God. So I know I, I talked about how God created man, but God also created a woman. So God blessed Adam with a wife and both of them, both of them disobeyed God. And as a result of humanity disobedience, uh, it brought forth sin into this world. And the consequences that followed was spiritual death physical death so now we we don't we don't live a long time y'all <laughs> we have we have a life expectancy because of our our daddy um adam and and our mother eve and also can you imagine paying taxes for that long <laughs> i mean i'm sorry it would have been no taxes, imagine paying man. taxes like imagine imagine <laughs> like inflation you know you know we got we're gonna be 600 something and it's like yeah when i was Sub 100. Well, hey, like, Ray, oh, but man, I'm, I'm helping somebody, Ray. I'm helping somebody yeah. because people probably don't understand what's going on with humanity. So when you think about life expectancy, we got to go back to what happened. So because of that, so we got pain, we got suffering, and also a broken relationship with God. So therefore, Jesus, as a result of all this fall, the disobedient God in his sovereignty and his love he came up with a plan to redeem and restore humanity. And in Genesis 3.15, that's where we get the proto-evangelium. That's where the first time we ever see the good news of Jesus Christ or what's to come in a foreseeing future. So I know that I said all this and Ray, you talked about <laughs> taxes. But the real yeah, question is, no, nah, that's cool. The real question is like, man, like who is Jesus like? You know, because I'm sure because we're, we're dealing with a different generation of people. So we, we could talk about Generation X or no, let's just say the baby boomers, Generation X, Generation Y, which is the millennials. But Generation Z, this this is a different type of generation. So who is Jesus to the world and who is Jesus Christ to this generation? Man, that's that's such a heavy question because who Jesus was still is and will always be is something that you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to get your mind wrapped around. And to be honest with you, I don't want to wrap my mind around it because then my human nature is going to feel like I can compartmentalize it, that I understand it. I get it. And then its relevancy is just something that I can probably put into one phrase. You know, we're just like we live shorter times, you know, people's attention spans have really, you know, shortened to an all time low. 
like scientifically fish have longer attention spans than than people you know and we're being programmed to not remember and if you don't have the ability to understand history of what just happened and the ability to look back as a way of looking forward and what to expect, then your own outlook is, is grim. And for those that are listening, I mean, Jesus is the only figure that not only reaches back, but reaches forward as well. I have never met too many people that have tried to follow Jesus and have wound up void, empty, depleted, unsatisfied. Of course, there's always going to be pockets, but, you know, those things, you know, that are, that are left void are usually God-sized. And, you know, Jesus being the personification of perfection when it comes to his word is something that you can rely on no matter what. I'm not going to sit here and claim that I've read all the religious texts of every religious belief. Um, but I will say that I haven't yet to meet a, another progenitor, you know, even, you know, and I don't want to start naming documents, but in other religions, you don't really see a Jesus type figure. He is one, uh, one of a kind. Matter of fact, he is the only one because he's the only one that gives this redemptive value. The reason why I posed this question, and that's why I went back and I, I talked about the fall of humanity, because we, we as a people are in need of a savior. So, and this is not a discussion about the fall or, or Adam and Eve. It's really more about Jesus because I, I think people, especially in, in, in this day and age, considering that there are so many distractions and, and one of, one of the consequences of the fall was a broken relationship with God. Humanity, humanity would rather, humanity would rather um, make decisions on their own accord than versus trusting in the wisdom of God. So God, so when we talk about who is Jesus, Jesus is God. Jesus Christ is part of the the Godhead, the Trinity. I mean, Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, but First John five seven. So when we say who is, because I think a lot of people um, misconstrue or they don't understand when we talk about Jesus, we're really talking about God. And that's why when I read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we read John 1-1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And we're going to talk about that probably in episode 3 when Jesus Christ was, well, yeah, that's episode three, when Jesus Christ ministry, but Jesus Christ is God. God always desired to have a relationship with man. So when you talk about Christians um, talking about sharing the gospel um, with their friends or their loved ones, or even with strangers, they're the main ones that to get, they, they, they'll get persecuted. They'll be like, no, nah, I nah, don't say that name around here. Like, don't, and, but but the the minute you talk about worldly pleasures or worldly things or things that's that's of evil, those things get more promoted. So when we talk about what Jesus Christ is like. God is so awesome. God seen the fall of man through Adam and Eve, and God came up with a plan to. Of course, He's gonna come from the line of Judah, you know. And I don't get caught up when people say, "Oh yeah, we're the real children of Israel. We're the real." I don't get caught up in that. But we know that God is, Jesus is God in, in Jesus. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He omnipotent. Okay? So God, he is one with God. He's eternal. He's the creator. He's the counselor. 
He's the master. He's the teacher. And I always say it at the end of my show, he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. But what society tried to do, society, society always trying to suppress that name. And it's not society, it's really the enemy. The enemy does not want the masses to know about Jesus. But regardless of what, the victor's already won, no matter what we do. So when we talk about who is Jesus, we're trying to help people to understand that Jesus had a plan from the beginning for humanity. That man have an issue with sin. Yes, so when we talk about pain and suffering and issues, broken relationship, death, folks, you know, when we die, you know, when you, we lose a loved one on our family, we're sorrowful. Death hurts. Death sting. But in Christ, there is no death. So I want people to understand that how God has a plan. And, and we're going to talk about the prophecy after we hear what Adney got to say. And we also want to talk more about Jesus because this is a conversation that could be ongoing of who Jesus Christ is. When I think about who Jesus is, like you said, Brother Nick and Brother Ray, he's God. But the most beautiful thing about him is he's us too, right? He came down here in, a, in the form of a child, grew up, went through what we went through. He latched on to his mama and, you know, breastfed. He ate, he laughed. He did, you know, he went to a wedding. There are just so many different things that Jesus um, did, but he still showed, he's like God's humanity here on earth. Why is that important? It's important to realize and understand that in everything that we go through, he's already gone through. Number two, he's the word. He is the Picasso, <laughs> of when God said, let there be light and there was light, right? Because the word came out and drew that light. That's Jesus. When God said, you know, let us make the firmament, that was Jesus painting that picture, right? So when we think about Picasso and all of these, Jesus is the original Picasso. He's the original artist. And the most amazing part is when he said, let us make man in our image, right? And that creation of man happened. That was Jesus putting us together, knitting us from that dust, right? And then God breathing into our bodies. That was Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God breathing into us. So when we think about who Jesus is, and I, and I painted this picture because sometimes people need the visual effects. You just think of, oh, God doesn't exist, but no, God did exist. He exists here on earth in the form of Christ. That's why we have this ability of redemption, of salvation, because of him becoming God here on earth. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for making it midway through this episode. We want to take a moment to sincerely thank each and every one of you who have been supporting our show. Your encouragement and positive feedback mean the world to us. We want to continue to bring you inspiring and thought-provoking content each week, and that's where we need your help. We kindly ask you to support our podcast by clicking on the link provided in the description below. Your support will enable us to grow, reach a wider audience, and continue to produce the quality content you enjoy. We truly appreciate your support and value your contribution to the Call by God podcast. Together, let's inspire and uplift others in their faith journey. Thank you once again for your continued support, and we look forward to bringing you more enlightening episodes in the future. God bless. I mean, and, and what better person to follow and study and to become a disciple of than someone who created uniquely you out of all the people that have ever walked on this earth, no two were ever the same. You can have twins, but you know, those fingerprints are different. You know, it's, it's like you can't get any more unique. And when you take a step back and say that I'm going to <clears throat> equip you with the same things that I used to create. I'm going to give you the same word. If you speak it, 
you can have it. That goes both ways. I used to think, well, when Jesus said, you know, whatever you ask for in my name, I'll give it to you. I'm like, I want a Mercedes Benz in Jesus name. Well, <laughs> you have to understand what in my name means is under my authority and it's under my 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 sovereignty and it's, and it's within my will. So, you know, I know you want to, you know, test that particular spirit. But uh, but the way God works is that he doesn't necessarily say no. He just says, you know, I have something better. And it's up to us to trust him with what that better looks like, because it don't always feel good. It don't always look right. It don't always sound right. I mean, if anything, it is what we see in our early brothers and sisters. It costed them their lives. Like how in the world was someone so appealing to people that they were killed for? I mean, that's the different time. We can't, well, today is, well, let me bring context, you know, in this particular generation, in this particular country, the persecution isn't, isn't there like that. You can walk, you're going to walk freely in the church tomorrow. You're going to, you're going to open up your Bible and you're going to say amen and you're going to walk out and there aren't going to be hopefully prayerfully no no uh, soldiers out there with machine guns saying you are reading some outlawed texts, you know, that, that is dangerous. I mean, there will come a time where I believe that that will happen, but, but prayerfully we'll be, um, you know, we'll be so far, far ahead in equipping people for this, that, that, you know, I mean, that the devil can't, can't win even with that level of intimidation. I mean, if you think about a movement, when once people start, start getting killed, that movement usually dies. This is the only time ever in history where someone has died in a movement, a moment turned into a movement when he said it is finished. That was him basically signing uh, the book at, at the end, you know, like an author, you know, will, will give a, a signature and says, all right, from here on out, be like me. I've shown you the way. Now, you don't know exactly when Jesus clipped his toenails or washed his hair or, you know, whatever, but you you get you will get the gist of his life and and on that note we have to understand that the, that there's different functions to what when Nick uh, mentioned earlier what was was uh, the Trinity because people will confuse the role of God the Father with the role of God the Son and the role of of the Holy Spirit I mean Jesus explicitly told his 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 disciples that listen I must go so that the spirit can come. Well, wait a minute. Why, why, why do you, I thought you guys were all the same. Yeah. Three and one with, with different functions, you know, and, but if we're going to focus on, on Jesus, now we have to focus on, on trying to get into the mind of Jesus. As a matter of fact, that sounds familiar. He's, Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So once you start to think the way God thinks in terms of Jesus, you'll see things the way God sees it. And I believe in this in this uh, generation, especially especially for, for me right now, with you know with some of the the current things that, that have been going on just this week. You know, I'm like, man, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would not know how to process this. Process this, I would, I would undoubtedly be thinking. What did I do to deserve this? What cruel, you know, karma did I put upon myself to deserve all of this? Honestly, nothing. Or hey, you did everything because yeah, you you fall short of, of the glory. But but which one is going to be therapeutic and which one's going to be damaging? So in this age of you know, six second TikToks and fentanyl and, you know, uh, alcoholism and drug use, everything that people are using to escape the reality that they exist in. If there is anything that you need, it is Jesus because people are slowly destroying themselves so that they don't have to live with their reality. However, 
Jesus gives us the example in every part of what it means to go from, you know, squalor to the palace. And then ultimately at the ripe old age of 33, from what, from what history tells us to end his life. And Nikki, you mentioned um, the garden. If you read in the gospels after the resurrection, Jesus was dressed as a gardener, implying that, yeah, there's still more work to be done. Just like the first Adam had work to do in the garden, Jesus has now put on, he's taken off the teacher robe and he's now put on, I don't know, I would imagine, you know, overalls or something like that. I don't know, spiritual overalls, if you will. And he said, listen, we still have a garden to tend to. Now, I showed you how to do it. I turned this grave in, in, into a garden, and I showed you what it means to plant water, and God gives the, the increase. Where we try to step in is we try to, you know, get the increase. We try to do God's part. That's why it's easy to get frustrated with family members who just won't come to terms with something. Or, you know, it's it's so difficult to get people to see what you think is so obvious because they're they don't want to see it. I mean, people, as opposed to Jesus, they lie to themselves to protect themselves. But what you really did was just create your own prison where there's no way out. You've essentially created your own hell because you refuse to be honest with. That's why it's a good thing that Jesus says that I'm the way I am the truth and I'm the life. If, if you, if, if you really peel those things apart, we can just do, we can just, if I were to start on just the way Jesus did things. I thought about, I thought about, man's relationship with Jesus. And again, it always go back to the garden. Because just, just, look, just look at it this way. Adam was in fellowship with God. You can, so right now, we as Christians, we pray to God. So we have conversation with God. We pray. We pray to God and we get our answered prayer through his word, through various ways. But Adam was in fellowship with God. I, I can't even imagine the conversations that they had. They, they, they just, that's mind boggling to me. Like just talking with God. So when we say God, we're talking about Jesus. Like Adam is talking with Jesus. But what, what I like about God, this is what I want to say. Cause I think in order for a person to really appreciate Jesus, we got to highlight just for a second, the enemy. God loves us so much that he was willing to come down to protect us from our ad, the adversary, the devil, the liar, the serpent, the devil. So the devil deceived humanity because God told him, God already told them the things that they ought not to do. God gave them, hey, you could do, you could eat from any tree, but don't eat that. Because the day you eat from that tree, you will die. You will die. That's what God told him. Death is going to come upon you. So I, I don't think people really understand what the magnitude of what Adam and Eve did. And also, I don't really think they understand what Jesus Christ has done and, he, and what he's continuing to do for humanity. Because this is the issue, right? So God came up with a plan, Genesis 3.15. Now, if you fast forward several chapters later, and I'm going to read it, Genesis 6, 5. Watch this. And God saw that the wicked, wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. You see, the issue is when we, when we lack fellowship or lack relationship with God, and we're talking about Jesus, as a result, you start to do your own thing. You start to think evil continuously. Your thoughts become wicked. It ain't you. You have you. You don't value human. You don't value humanity. You murder is a thing. Fornication is a thing. Adultery is a thing. 
lying is a thing. Um, murder, I probably said murder. Just, just they, they just they were just promoting evil in that day. But because God loved humanity so much, because God like these people, they they're gonna self destruct. They're gonna kill themselves. <laughs> humanity will kill. If I don't do something about this, humanity is gonna self destruct, and they're gonna kill. If I don't intervene, they're gonna kill themselves. And I, I I think that people really don't understand. The minute you take Jesus Christ out of anything. Take Jesus Christ out of a city. Take Jesus Christ out of a school. Take Jesus Christ out of a home. Let's see what happened. Let's sit back and let's see what happened. Guarantee you that situation or that that circumstance or that environment will self-destruct. So what God says, God, you know, uh, Noah found grace in God's eyes. And God had to destroy the earth. God destroyed the earth because of the wickedness, the wickedness in that day, and only saved a family of eight. So I said all that to say it is that even despite, even having the flood, God still had a plan. God's plan was still coming into fruition. So this is where I want to talk about uh, the prophecy. Let's talk about the prophecy, how God's plan was coming into fruition um, to restore humanity. Tina, Adney, we need a reader. So Adney, if you want to read... Exodus 3, 13, 15, Deuteronomy 18, Isaiah 7, 14, 9 and 6. Uh, because the thing is, the issue is we want to talk about Jesus Christ's prophecy because some believe that he didn't come. <laughs> so I think I think it is apropos to highlight that that the same, the same text that we're reading, um, he already came. He went back up the glory. He came already. Yeah. So, Adney, um, so can you read the scriptures? We, we're going to have a discussion about his prophecy. Okay. So um, Exodus 3, 13 through 15 reads, But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And I love this box. It says, I will be what I will be. (laughs) Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to this, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Read Isaiah 7, 14 and Isaiah 9, 6. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Last scripture, Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6 reads like this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. All right. So the reason why I had you read the scriptures, Adney, because I'm trying to help listeners that uh, they, the, the ones that don't read the Bible pretty much. So scriptures that they can always go back to it and read on their own. But Ray, I, what I want you to do, Ray, I want you to go back and talk about, because one may probably read the Bible. They'd be like, okay, why did God choose this family to come through? There's all these other nations. So could you kind of like explain that, like the lineage and the prophecy and like why why God didn't choose all these other nations? Why he chose only this group of family? Could you kind of like shine some light on that? Well, Hate to disappoint you, but the, the, the answer is I don't know. But here's what I suspect: I suspect that 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 God, as He has um, shown us in in other scriptures, we would call it unfair. Like, because He would say, "I have loved one and I have hated the other." I'm like, that's kind of messed up. Ain't, didn't, didn't you create both of them? You know, um, he he has his he leans the way he leans, and I believe that is for a a reason, uh, not just for um, legacy sake, 
but the fact that you're able to trace back to, you know, you're able to take a leaf, trace it back to his branch, to his parent branch, to the trunk, down to, you know, down to the base, to the roots, and then, and then the seed of where all this came from. Now, at some point, you know, we read in, in the scriptures that there was an adoption made. Now, I don't know why, example, and this is also a good thing, I don't know exactly why he chose uh, the nation of, of Israel and, and Hebrews and, and why not the Greeks and, and why not, or at least not up front. Um, I don't know entirely why. However, what I do know, that there was a grafting in of all people. It's almost like I need my people to get this down first. I think one of the most detrimental things that even I'm embarrassed of is that I couldn't tell you my, my lineage, like just in my own family. I got to sit down with my dad and ask him questions when a situation comes up. But he can go back and tell me, you know, everything about, about family and where and what stock we're from and what we're made of. So even when you look at, let's say, for, for, for example, when you go Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and then you got Seth, and then you have like this, um, uh, they call it um, epigenetics. Um, epigenetics is, is one of those little fancy terms or ideas that there's something inside you that, that, that is present with you that stems from the past. So for example... I don't know of anyone personally, me being an African-American male, that has experienced racism the way our ancestors have. But you can still go into a school today and talk to middle schoolers about racism. And it's interesting that you will start seeing them nod their heads as if they experienced it at some point. There's something there that 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 leaves a signature of events, whether they want to write it on the wall, they want to resurrect statues, or I can put it in you. Just like um, Roman said, and I know it's, it sounds like I'm getting off topic. I'm really trying to answer your question with saying I don't know, but but here's what I do know. Uh, but even Paul says in Romans that I wrote some things on, on people's heart who, who, who are not of, who are not of my tribe. Nowhere on the planet earth are you going to find, you know, where murder of an innocent is okay. Unless you get political. Now that's, that's just the work of the devil to invert that of course. But everyone would agree that if someone is minding their own business and another stranger comes out of nowhere and kills them for no apparent reason, that that's wrong. Do they need a scripture to know that? No. People know that children are inherently innocent, so the abuse of children is wrong. Do you have to read a verse on that? No. Does it matter what? language you speak no does it matter if you're in the the middle of you know uh, a desert no you're gonna know and hear in your heart that that's wrong now the question is who put it there who made that rule who determined that that was that that was bad what is bad what is good well, we got all these questions. I guess we got to start somewhere because some somehow we all are are coming up with, with with the same with the same conclusion. But but back to what what you were asking me, I don't know specifically why, but I see other hyperlinked things that that that, that kind of pop out that say, well, you know, hey, there's a reason why God wanted an order. Because we represent on earth what God is in, in the kingdom. And the things we do here on earth are just a reflection of what, 
of what is happening in the kingdom. Or how about this? What ought to be happening here on earth is ought to be a reflection. There's a lot of ought to be's. So just like you have the head of the family, the head of the church, you know, you, you have the head of, of the household. There's no such thing as anything walking that doesn't have a head. Well, who determines what a head is? I mean, who, who determines what, what, what a body is, whether that's, you know, whether that's a family or whether that's a, a company or whatever. So I think what we need to, to take away is that the bad news is you were not the original idea per se. And I'm going to say per se because I'm, I'm going to address that later. However, you were always included in the plan. So, so for me, it doesn't like back in the Old Testament. It really doesn't bother me to to see what lineage uh, God came from or where He was prophesied from, because uh, right before I got cut off, um, <clears throat> God He blessed Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and that's the family that we all come from because we all, in the end, we're all one family. So that's the, that's the thing that a lot of people fail to realize, that we're all one family. So in Genesis 9-1, um, God blessed Noah and his sons and he told them to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, the issue is, um, happened in Genesis uh, 11, when the Tower of Babel, they were all building and then God, <laughs> God confused the languages and they scattered. Because the thing is, when they scattered, so when I think about Genesis 11, I, thought, I think about the Tower of Babel and also the scriptures following, that's when we start to read about Abraham's father. We start to read about Abraham. Abraham is, Abraham's fam- family is from Ur. And Abraham is a Hebrew. Abraham is not even an Israelite. Isra- Israelites not, didn't even come to, to fruition yet. So that's why I said I don't even have an issue with that because Abraham, and I think, Adam, you mentioned this in past episodes. You're like, man, Abraham was into idol worshipers. His family was into this, is that. Like, just like um, Noah found grace in God's eyes because, again, people back, you know, in Genesis 6, they thought about things evil continuously. So God had to find somebody that's somebody with a good heart. There got to be somebody on earth. It's like what Abraham said. Abraham said, like, Lord, if you don't destroy the city, Sabah Gerard, there's 50 people, 40, 30. And Abraham just went down. Like, I think God is, at least back then in retrospect, like God was seeking someone that he can use because just the, the thought of the, the evil because we see that now, if we put it in modern time, you're like, man, this stuff is evil. Everywhere you go, you turn on the TV, you hit the road, you go to the grocery store, you turn on the news and you see it's always some form of evil. And God is saying, I just need one person to stand in the gap. I need a preacher. I need an evangelist to stand in the gap. So that's a modern term. But just think about it like back then, God is saying, I need a family to be the standard. So I'm going to use Abraham family to be the standard. So that's when, of course, he told Abraham and his family um, to leave his uh, mother and father house. And God told him to go live in Canaan. So that was living amongst people that opposed God. They worship idols. They wasn't, they wasn't even godly people. So it goes to show you that God's sovereignty. So God had a plan not only for Abraham, he said, like Abraham, he said, many nations going to be blessed through you. He said, it's, he said, Abraham, you're going to be the reason. It's, it's, it's you, like many nations that's going to come through you is going to be blessed because God's ultimate plan was to come. So all nations, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God gave himself to the world. God didn't give himself to a specific family. Now his plan in the Old Testament was to come through a family so that family could be the standard. It's just like now, now that the plan is complete, Christians are the standard. We are the standard for the world. So we're not the standard for Saudi Arabia. We're not the standard for the Middle East. No, we're the standard for the world. But Abraham, the Israelites, was the standard for the Canaanites and all those ites that we read about, the Moabites, they was the standard. So God came through Abraham, 
Isaac, Jacob. And then when Jacob's name changed to Israelites, that's what we get, the Israelites. And then, of course, the 12 sons, you get Judah. And that's where we get Jesus. Jesus come from the lineage of Judah. Because I want people to really understand that, that when people be like, oh, uh, I'm the real Hebrew Israelite, or uh, Jesus Christ was black, or um, I'm the real church. No, no, no. Then they really missed the message that God was sending in the Old Testament. Yeah, he was prophesied, but he was only prophesied to come to save black people. He was only prophesied to come to save white people. God came to save the world. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I just got excited. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I, I I love that you both said that. The thing, if people really did the research, Abraham's lineage, Abraham was Hindu. His heart was different than the heart of his father and everyone he was around. When we think about us as Christians today, we are the standard. How are we the standard? Because our heart would not mirror the world, right? If our hearts mirror the world, how can we say we're Christians? How can we say that we love God if we hate people that God created and wants us to bring to him? Why am I saying that? I'm saying that to speak to our millennials and to speak to our Gen Zs to understand the standard that God made was to set us apart from everybody else. Period. It ain't a black thing. It ain't a white thing. It ain't a Hispanic thing. It is a nation thing. It is a world thing. The body, the church, the called out (laughs) per se. We're the standard. If we want racism to end, and I don't know why the Holy Spirit put this on my heart, but I get it. If we want racism to end, we need to go back to him from the beginning to see what he was doing, to see that it was never about color. It was all about always, always has been about reuniting us with him. Period. That's the prophecy. Honestly, it's the reuniting of us with him. And, and you know, you, you want to know what's what's uh, interesting on on that on that particular point in terms terms of racism. As much as you know or try to get to know Jesus, you will come to know the devil just as much, and you will, or at least me, I would say, last couple years. I mean, once you see a thing, you can't unsee it, and then you start to see it every time it happens. You know, you start to get these different narratives of what you ought to be caring about of what you should be looking at. I know what God said, you know, however, you know, we're going to look at one another as the enemy. Okay, fine. I guess there's an enemy out there somewhere. We pray for them. And when we get to, to racism, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist. It, it does. I mean, you, you can find, you can find it if you're looking for it, but you also have to take a step back and say, I've never seen so many multiracial people in my life. So much, I mean, to the point where, I don't know, some poll taken somewhere at some time last year that's, oh, white people are going to, for the first time, are the actual minority. And well, I guess there's no, you know, f- you know, some white people and black people and Spanish people and Asian people all having sex with each other. I guess, I guess that means they like each other, right? And they're having kids and those kids, are, uh, you know, and I'm not, you know, saying, you know, for, for fornicate, but you know what I mean? You know, when you look at it and say, well, you're going to have to prove it to me. You can get factual with antidotes, or you can take a step back and look at the actual. There's a little difference between factual and then actual. What the devil does, what he's really good at doing, is taking maybe one or two anecdotal things and then building a whole doctrine around it. Case in point, thou shalt surely not die. Created a whole doctrine. The doctrine that that says, you got time. The doctrine that says, you know what, you young 
you know, once you once you get all that energy out of you, you know, you're gonna you're gonna come to church. You got time. Oh, okay. Well, well, then God still wasn't lying when He says, "In dying, you will die." The devil says, "Listen, you're not gonna die, die." I mean, he knows you're gonna die, but like, you're not like, hey, you're not dead. So now, if I take that and say, and now you get to have your cake and eat it too. Now we, now we are wired to try to have our cake and eat it too. And what the devil does is, um, <laughs> what, what the devil does is that he tries to and is very good at equating discipline with a lack of freedom. When God says, you know. Of every tree in the garden you may eat of, except for except for one. Now that's the first restraint. You had only one job, Adam. One. One tree out of all the mango trees out there. Don't touch that one. See, now the devil has something to work with. He can't tempt you if, if, if you're undisciplined. Because now he can find what restricts you and he can equate that to, well, I think there's a lack of freedom somewhere. But what Jesus shows us and which which we're going to get to is that, no, 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 no. Discipline is an, an inherent part of potential. But you won't understand your potential until you become disciplined. And then that discipline, now you are free. But what does the devil do? Inverts it. He says, listen, with your Friday night, you know what you could be doing instead of studying? Saturday night, I mean, you know where you could be instead of like in bed, you know, getting ready for church the next day? Do you know where you know what you could be doing? See, all see that potential, he inverts it. So now, therefore, you feel like you're missing out on something. As a matter of fact, he will even do something more um, (laughs) devilish. People don't like losing. And what's even worse than losing is feeling like when something has been taken away. I need all the parents who are are listening to this to, to type amen somewhere. When you feel like something has been taken away from you, there is a sense of venom and vinegar mixed with it now. Now, because it's an injustice, now I feel, and I'm speaking to this generation, this Gen Y, Gen Z, whatever, your level of entitlement has stemmed from the seed of feeling like someone is taking something away from you when really we're trying to help you get to where you say you want to go. But if you're going to drive, you got to wear a seatbelt because things can happen on that road. When you cross the street, you got to look both ways. See what, what Adam highlights is not only being naive but he was exploited because he had nothing he felt he had to watch out for. Me, me and another brother, we go back and forth on, on, on this point because, you know, he says, oh, we're trying to, we trying to aim for, for the new Eden. I'm like, I don't want the new Eden. I want paradise. Because Eden, the Garden of Eden, always has a snake that's always trying to get you to do something, waiting for you to slip up. I can't, I can't relax. I, I, I want to rest in paradise. I don't want to be in Eden again. And who's to say that you're going to do any better than Adam? Of course, he was silent on that point, but that's all right. I digress. But 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 anyway, but anyway, I know I know we you, you, you got to tell me when we're going to move forward because I'll, I'll get stuck right here because because you, know, you know like even with even when you talk about walking with God and 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 Noah, the only reason why Noah made it out because it was because of God's grace, not because of Noah's performance. Mm, I, I mean, I see. There's going to come a point where Everything around you is literally going to hell. But is your walk with God that God's going to be like, I'm going to spare you. And I know that 
you know, when we're, we're talking about God's plan, I want people to understand that God's plan was never an afterthought. Okay. When, when we look into um, Hebrews 1, um, 8 through 10, I'll pull it up. I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it. Because I, I just, I just, I just like reading it. Uh, Hebrew. I mean, you thought, I thought I would pull it up, but uh, let's see. Okay. Here we go. Hebrews 1, 8 through 10. I mean, just for just for a little bit of context here. But unto the Son, he saith, now unto the Son, that's God, the Son, that's Jesus, he being God the Father, says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, Jesus, even thy God, God the Father, have anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, what, wait, what beginning? The Genesis 1-1 beginning, has laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the works of thine hand. So God the Father is telling God the Son, Jesus, that, hey, this is the work you did. So when we read in Genesis, in the beginning, God, you could argue that there is a case that you can also say in the beginning, Jesus. That's how much Jesus was involved with this. Before there was in the beginning, there was a, it is finished. Jesus had already died on that cross before any speck of dirt was even formed. Before any word was even spoken about lights and firmaments and separations of light and darkness and, and the days. And, no, there was already a lamb slain. So when you know you got victory right at the beginning, need not fear. Okay, so... With this, we, we, have, we, have, we have Noah's grace, or God you know, uh, showed Noah grace, which, gosh, uh, it's like I, I, I want to I go off on a tangent, but, but I, I, I'll, I'll touch it and, and keep it going. There's a lot of religious um, doctrine that has people confused. I mean, the devil has once again, you know, Throwing a monkey wrench in the plans where people, they hear and they believe that is God's grace that, that they're, that they're going to be saved. And therefore, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to be disciplined in anything. No, no, no. You want to be saved by God's mercy. You are saved by God's grace and the fact that he's giving you conditional grace for some things for you to do. Now they want to argue, oh, we're not saved by works. I'm like, well, you still go to church, don't you? I mean, like, like the argument is just so weak that, you know, that I hear people, they want to blanket grace as something that where no one has to do anything ever and we're all going to get there as long as we believe. Well, yeah, well, the, the demons believe in God and, yeah, and they're trembling, but they don't have a home in heaven. They don't have salvation. So it's not just a matter of belief. You know, th- this goes back to to um, to grace in its context. When you look at Noah, it's like, hey, I'm going to give you grace, but get going. Because grace periods do run out. But in today's world, we have been lied to by numerous pulpits because it's popular to have people to believe that you know what you just hey you just come here you know i know you smoke i know you drink i know your wife doesn't know you have a girlfriend you know i know you know tax season going to come up you're going to put two head of households i mean you're going to do a bunch of stuff but you know but you know god's grace um beloved no that's 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 not that's not at all what he's saying there cuz if it wasn't for grace then why would we need to repent why we need to strive? Then what is right? What is wrong for all on the gut? Now we've imploded on ourselves. All right. Yeah. So no, this, this is going to conclude uh, episode one. Um, thank you so much. We discussed who is Jesus. 
And we also discussed the prophecy. It, it was good. It was good. That's it for now. But before we go, please continue to listen, subscribe, and share our podcast. Also, if you want to support our show, please scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and click on the link that says buy me a coffee. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And remember, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. And also, Jesus Christ loves you. Thank you. Wait, there's more. What if today was your last day on earth? Would you be ready to meet your maker? Well, Jesus Christ has given us the good news. He told his disciples in Mark 16, 15, 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus Christ has instructed his children to share and preach the gospel, which is the good news, which means that Jesus Christ came and that he was sacrificed. He was buried and he rose on the third day by believing and by repenting and confessing and being baptized. You will be saved. So it is your choice. Jesus Christ will not force you. You've heard the message. You heard personal testimonies. But this is your opportunity to give your life to Christ. Don't wait until tomorrow, because tomorrow is not promised. So I hope you submit to the will of God and give your soul to Christ. Be blessed.